You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello and welcome to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. My name is Connor Swimville. As always, I'm joined by Josh Boland and Drew Hubbard. And before we get into why I'm doing the intro this week, because we have a bit of a special episode coming up for you. Josh and Drew, how are you two guys doing today? I'm doing great. Super excited for this special edition podcast that we're doing. Nice uh, preview for every single team participating in the tournament, maybe some that aren't participating in the tournament, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm doing good. It's like Josh said, and you said this is a special episode. I'm also thrilled that Connor's taking the intro today, so that's wonderful. Get to throw a little curveball in there, but yeah, we talk a lot about getting other writers in here, and we kind of got a really good way of getting a lot of people from the team getting their inputs from teams that they very much cover. So I'm really excited. This is going to be a cool episode, something we haven't done before. And I think it's going to be a good way to get people ready for the tournament. Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We'll see if I end up doing the intro more in the future, if you hate doing it. But we'll see what happens. Um, but as Drew mentioned, yeah, we're doing a bit of a special podcast. Um, we reached out to all of the writers and some former writers for MLS Multiplex, and we've gotten as many as we possibly can to cover as many teams that they actually know about. So obviously, as we, as you already know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I'm a Toronto FC writer, cover them. I'm more of a supporter of them, uh, season seat holder since day one, even though I didn't start following the team until they really got Giovinco and don't remember much prior to that, which is probably beneficial. Uh, um, both Josh and Drew are both Atlanta guys, so look out for or look forward to that Atlanta uh, section of this little podcast. But yeah, on today's show, basically what we did is we reached out to all these different writers, and we got a ton of responses. Uh, we're gonna have a little section on each team in MLS for the ones that we didn't weren't able to get a writer because obviously it's very difficult to get an MLS multiplex writer for each team. Uh, Josh and Drew are going to fill in, and they're going to give their thoughts on everything. Uh, we've gotten both written and audio responses, so you'll get a good balance throughout of different opinions and us reading stuff. So, yeah, uh, if you want to know who any of these writers are, you can go to my Twitter account at CWG Somerville. I'm going to tweet this podcast out along with the ats of every single person who is involved in this podcast. Uh, I might include the teams that they covered as well, just as a bit of a shout-out, because some of these guys did some incredible stuff for us, covering a ton of different teams. Um, Ivan is one of them. Uh, I believe Ryan was another. So shout-out to those guys. Uh, You'll recognize Ivan because he came on the podcast a few weeks ago. So hopefully we'll have him on again pretty soon because he's pretty jacked about this podcast. But let's dive into this because our intro's been going for three minutes, and I know you want to hear the predictions. Uh... I should also mention, I don't I don't know how I didn't mention this, but this is our second podcast in two days. Uh, we had a podcast come out yesterday where we basically hit every all the news that came out around NWSL, European soccer, um, all the MLS stuff, including the 
FC Dallas and that situation. So you can go back and check that out. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But let's start the podcast off talking about the questions that we first proposed to our contributors and to the people helping us out with this podcast. Uh, Our first question was, how do we think that their team was going to do in MLS's back tournament? Uh, What sort of position and what sort of number of wins and draws and points do do they think they're going to do? And sort of get an idea of where they sort of think that these teams stand in their groups. Uh, Our second question was, who are the three players that this contributor is looking forward to watching from their team? Uh, Obviously, this is going to be a unique format, so there may be some interesting choices and some new players. So we'll dive into that a little bit, uh, as or our writers will dive into that a little bit as well. Uh, Our third question was, who do they think is going to be a breakout player on their team? Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see just how each of these players do overall, uh, as well as who they think might have a crazy good tournament who could launch themselves into being a big name in MLS. So look forward to that. And then our final question was we wanted to get their take after our prediction last week on who they think will make it to the final and who they think is going to win the MLS's back tournament. So look forward to that. We'll, we look forward to hearing from them because there are some interesting choices in there as they're all, they've all been pre-recorded. But yeah, without further ado, and before I turn my fan on for my computer because it is getting quite hot, Drew, we're going to start with you because we're going Group A to Group F in this podcast, uh, starting off with the Orlando City so, how do you think they're going to do in this tournament, and who do we need to watch out for? What do I think Orlando? Um, I talked about them a little bit in the preview episode we had last week about how good I think they're going to do in the tournament, and I think when it comes down to group stage and knockout rounds, I think Orlando City is going to win two games. I think they're going to get knocked out in the first round, and right now, with obviously the whole Dallas situation, uh, we don't know exactly what groups look like, so there might be some rearranging. I'll preface that when we're talking specifically about Group A, um, but I have them finishing third place in Group A and losing in the first round to Seattle. Um, but when I'm thinking about players that I'm excited to watch for Orlando City, I'm thinking two names that I think most people know when they think of Orlando City, Dom Dwyer and Nani. Uh, when we talked about Orlando City in our last podcast, we kind of mentioned the lack of star power this team has. And I think these two players, when you think of star power, these are the players you think of. And it's kind of up to them to change that narrative of not having a lack of star power. So I'm looking at Nani on Dom Dwyer. I'm also looking at Antonio Carlos, a new center back Orlando City just got. He's a young 26-year-old center back, and Orlando City not the best side last year, um, and defense was a part of that. So I'm excited to see Antonio Carlos. He's getting new into the team, and he's coming in a very weird time. So my three players to watch are Antonio Carlos, Nani, and Dom Dwyer. But my breakout player for Orlando City is another new player they just got in, Pedro Galese, a new goalkeeper, kind of going back in with Antonio Carlos and the whole defense thing. Goalkeeping was a really big issue for Orlando City last year, and this guy, he's new, it's his first season, Um, he has potential to be a really good keeper in MLS, and this is going to be his first little hoorah with Orlando City. So I have Pedro Galese as my breakout player for Orlando City. All right, and we're not going to do predictions with... Drew, because we did them 
I guess not last episode, but last week's episode, uh, where we gave our entire prediction on the entire knockout stages. So if you want to get our thoughts, uh, being Josh, Drew, and I's, go back and listen to that episode. But we're going to the other city in the Sunshine State, who's got a team in MLS, brand new franchise in Inner Miami. Josh, who is the writer that you were talking for? Because this was a written response from one of our writers. And what did she have to say? So for Inter Miami, we have Alex Windley covering the team for us at MLS Multiplex. And she's very kind enough to give us some responses to these answers. And she basically started off by saying that uh, Inter Miami is coming in with high expectations. And that's from top to bottom. That's Paul McDonough, uh, technical director and, and sort of in charge of building the roster. He's saying there's high expectation to win. Same thing from manager Diego Alonso and multiple players as well talking about their desire to really compete for this tournament, which is what you definitely want to hear from an expansion team in MLS. Uh, but she goes on to talk about how well she thinks Miami will do. She's got Miami advancing out of the group stage with wins over Orlando City and Chicago and a draw against Philadelphia. She also thinks that they could make the quarterfinals, which would include a win in the round of 16, depending on who they face. But she doesn't have them advancing past the quarterfinal due to the fact that they lack a proven goal scorer. It should be noted that today, Robbie Robinson, the Inter-Miami number one super draft pick, he had to leave the MLS bubble uh, to he had some some personal reasons that uh, forcing him to leave. So that's one less attacking threat that Miami will have for this tournament. So she's got them advancing no farther than the quarterfinal. As for breakout players, or I should say three players that she's excited to see in this format, one is Rodolfo Pizarro, one of the DPs for Miami, an attacking central midfielder. Another is Nico Figal, the center back, a very young center back. And then another that she's got is, leave a winger, Lewis Morgan, Scottish international. And Pizarro already scored against DC earlier in the season. And uh, she just wants to point out that these are some really, really talented players. And she's excited to see how they can help Miami advance. As for a breakout player for Miami, she's got another DP, Julian Carranza. Uh, he's a striker, and she points out that he missed first two games of the season due to foot injury, but he is ready to go for this tournament. She thinks she's that Kronz uh, is going to do great things for them. And as for a breakout player in the league, Alex listed Alan Polito, striker from Sporting Kansas City. He was doing very well for Kansas City before the break. The whole team was doing well. <clears throat> so she's got Alan Polito breaking out for the league. And for her final, she's got Seattle facing Columbus. And she's going with the proven winner in this case over the last few years. And she's got Seattle beating Columbus. So that's Alex Windley. Great coverage for us on Inter-Miami. Check her out on the website. And that's her preview for Inter-Miami CF. Really interesting final there, uh, having Columbus. None of us had that in our prediction video. But we're not going to comment on what people have to say because otherwise this podcast will be three hours long. So... We're just going to dive through, sort of transition you from each team. And our next team is NYCFC with Cameron Albert. Uh, Cameron, take it away for us, bud. How do I think they'll do in the tournament? 
Um, when uh, when the groups came out of who was going to be in New York City FC's group, I was feeling uh, I was feeling alright. I thought there was a lot of teams in there, were beatable. And then the the schedule, you know, the schedule came out. We got Orlando, who's always seemed to have our number. Uh, I'm not too confident on that one, to be honest with you, just based on results in the past. They seem either I don't know. They seem to know how to play us. We either draw. Or, or lose and we play them. So I predict a draw probably for that one. Um, Chicago, I watched I watched both Chicago's games um, before the league stopped. Um, I liked how they looked. They gave uh, Seattle a challenge. And uh, I think that's one if we're going to win. If, if I'm one confident that we're going to win, it's that one. But I think, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a tight game for sure. And then we got Philly as well. Uh, so we have a good team. Absolutely, probably the best out of the, game, the games we have to play. But for some reason, I can't put it down to it. It's maybe it's when when teams are overhyped I, or not or, or hyped up. I I undermine them. But um, yeah, I see that one as being a rather competitive game, but one to look forward to for the entire league coming back. I think that's a good battle of the East. But it'll be a good test of New York City considering. How they started the regular season losing to Columbus and Toronto. I mean, if you lose to Philly, then it's just you're not up there in these, these in the East like that. So, who do you think is going to do well in the tournament for New York City? And maybe you can dive into the league a bit as well if you want. In this format, the first one that comes to mind, players I think will do well. Um, I'll pick one from New York City, definitely. Maybe I'll do all three that way. But Valentin Castellanos. Uh, I didn't like him when he first came to the team. He didn't play well, but I was proven wrong last year. So, uh, you know, man gets hot. It seems like he, he scored a lot out of nowhere last year. So, uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna make pushes into later boundaries, I see somebody like him uh, being a difference maker. Is there anyone else on New York City FC that you think we should watch out for, uh, whether it be good or bad? I mean, uh, there was rumors of Max Morales not coming down for uh, the tournament, but that doesn't seem to have any... Uh, so he sounds like he's going to be down there, which, I mean, he's crucial for every time New York City FC plays, so he's an obvious choice there. Um, and then the back line, I'm going to go with uh, Maxime Chanel because he more or less ended... Uh, well, I guess Matarita did, but I mean, I mean, Chano also made a mistake against Toronto in the playoffs last year. Um, so I think if they're going to pick one from, from the back line, I think Chano's got to step up. Uh, you know, every point matters, uh, in the group after that. There's no really, there's no really, there's no room to really step up here. So that back line, we've seen Collins play well, uh, dinner home. So if, if I have one red or one like outline defense, I'd like to see really prove themselves. It's, it's Chano, Maxime Chano. And what about a breakout player on New York City? To be honest, I don't think... I feel like New York City FC are, are known around the league enough to have good players at every position and dip, good depth at every position. So I'm not sure they're in a situation to have like a really breakout player. Um, that being said, you know, the team only has so much room for players in attack. So if DeJory Shradi or... Like I said, Castellanos, if either of them don't make the 11, I think, uh, I think either of them are, 
are capable of scoring, um, at least off the bench if they if they don't get the nod. And what about for the rest of the league? Um, a breakout player. We saw Gustavo Bo, what he did to that Rebs team last year. And uh, I honestly think he he has the capability of winning this. If the Rebs get hot and he gets hot, um, yeah, I, I can't see them, uh, uh, you know, much facing them as a challenge. Uh, Bo's a great player. He seems like he's, he's detransformed that Rebs team when he showed up last year. Um yeah, and, and, and a short tournament situation like this, you know, you play, I think if you win the final, you play seven games. So, like, Bo has the ability to score, you know, in every single one of them. And I think he'll do it. I think uh, I think this Rebs team, if they got hot and they, they get results in the group stage when they when they need them, you know, their, their group's not easy um, at all. But if they get, they get through there, I mean, anything past that is one-off games. All right, and then finally, who do you think is going to make it to the final of this tournament? And who do you think has a chance at potentially taking a Champions League spot uh, next winter? Um, for the final, um, for some reason, I'm, not for some reason, I'm really hot on Sporting Kansas City right now. Um, they ran past the Dynamo when the, when the league began earlier this year. Uh, Polito looked great. He seemed like he was scoring with these. To be honest, it looked like he was, he was above that, uh, that Houston team. Um, and and that team's proven that they can compete in tournament styles. We didn't get to see that last year when they you know they didn't make the playoffs, but they got the, that striker. We've been waiting for them for them all to get. And Polito Polito's a man similar to what I said before with uh, Gustavo Bo. Um, but I'd say that Sporting Kansas City have a better team around him around Polito. Um, but yeah, once they get once Polito gets going, which we've already seen he has, unlike another Mexican forward in the league. New to the league. Um, yeah, that's why I'm big on sporting Kansas City. Um, especially when, like, LA is now without Vela. You know, I think the biggest challenge for them is probably Seattle. And then from the East, um, the East, I'm going to go, I guess. I guess I'll be dumb and go to New York City FC. Um, I, don't, I don't have the actual uh, confidence in them to do well in, in one-off once it hits the bracket stage. Um, but I, but I'm here to to do coverage for New York City FC as well, so I'm gonna have to pick them. Um, similar to a couple of strikers, I said A. Bear showed he, he he performs well here in the first uh, in his first season. Um, yeah, link up with Maxi ITS and uh, yeah, make our way to the finals. And uh, I don't know, even as a city fan, I'm probably gonna stuff to go sporting. I can't I can't get their name off my brain. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on, Cameron. We really appreciate it. Uh, you taking the time out of your day, and we'll see if New York can get to the final. Uh, as a TFC supporter, I highly doubt it, but who knows? Uh, now let's just move on and hit the Philadelphia Union. Who, Josh? This is on you, my man. So, take it away. So we talked a lot about the Union in our preview episode last week. In fact, I have them advancing all the way to the semis, going all the way to the Final Four. I think they're going to finish second in the group behind NYCFC. Um, I, I personally think they could even finish first in the group. So I really have a lot of faith that the Union can make a deep tournament run. They've got a very unique pressing system that I think will benefit them so long as they can pull it off in the Orlando Heat. 
That being said, uh, three players that I'm really going to be keeping my eye on, and these are sort of the bigger name players for the Union, sort of the flashier players, but I think they're going to be really important for how far Philly can go. The first one is striker Casper Shabilko. He was crucial in Philadelphia, if I remember correctly, finishing third in the East and winning their first ever club playoff game. Uh, he was a little injured down the stretch, and that really hurt Philadelphia, but he's back to full health. He should play a big role in helping Philadelphia score some goals. Uh, another player, very young, exciting American talent, Brendan Aronson, who probably had the best uh, game in his career in MLS uh, right before the break against LAFC of all teams. He was fantastic in that game. I think he's going to be a, a, a really key player to watch for on this Philadelphia Union team. And then the last one, everybody's favorite, the human cheat code, Il Cino. He has such a huge influence on games coming off the bench, and he has proven extremely important for Philadelphia over the years, and he played a big role for them as a super sub last year. I think he continues that. Hopefully he can hold off father time a little bit longer. He's starting to get a little bit older, but I think he'll definitely be a player to watch for in this tournament, and he can help Philadelphia in a big way. As for breakout player for Philadelphia, I've got a one of their newer signings over the offseason, Jose Martinez. He's a defensive midfielder. He did not get to play in the first two games for Philadelphia. He was dealing with some injuries and I think some visa issues, if I remember correctly. So personally, I'm really excited to see what kind of an effect he can have on this Philadelphia Union team. That defensive midfield position is super important in their diamond midfield four. So I am expecting him to have a strong tournament. I think he's going to play a big role for Philly, and he could definitely be their breakout player. As for a player in the league... This is someone I'm super excited about seeing more of because he looked great in his first two games before the shutdown, and that is Eunice Nomley with the Colorado Rapids. I think he is poised to do really great things, not only in this league, but in this tournament. So I'm really, really looking forward to him. And as you mentioned, Connor, we talked last week about who we had in the final, so I'm going to throw it back to you. Yeah, uh, really interesting takes there around Philadelphia. They're a pretty decent team, and hopefully there's someone to watch out for. Uh, let's dive into our next team, which we're going a bit more north, uh, northwest for that. Diving into Chicago with Adnan Basic. Adnan, take it away first, man. In terms of how I think the Fire can do in the tournament, they'll probably go win-loss draw, or yeah, win-loss draw in the group stage because they play Nashville, they play NYCFC, and they play into Miami. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but I expect them to have a very average run in the tournament. Probably win a game, lose a game, tie a game, because they're a very weird and inconsistent team. That'll book them a sponsor in the next round, and I don't think they'll get too far into the knockout stage. So I'd say probably a loss in the first knockout game, because they have talent, but they haven't really pieced things together. So I don't expect them to do much as a team per se, because they still have a lot to do in terms of growing. Which, speaking of that growing, the three players I'm really excited to see from the fire are the three new guys we haven't been able to see much since the season started because they signed them over the offseason but weren't able to get them in in time because of these issues. So the likes of Ignacio Alicedo, who is a really young Argentine winger. There's Gaston Jimenez, a really strong, tall, and talented CDM. And Bordi Sekulic, a defender who's really going to help us in the back line. Those three were barely able to feature during the regular season in the first two games because of these issues. But they've come to Chicago, they've acclimated to life, they'll be with the team in Florida, and I really want to see how those guys do on the field together, especially with the new coach in Vicky, 
In terms of a breakout player, I think Georgie. It's going to be the pressure is going to be on Georgie Mihailovic to perform because he used to be our like young star for the future, but now he's already getting kind of older, and the uh, the pressure is going to be back on him to perform because we now have other people we can turn to in the midfield. So if Georgie's not doing as well, we can bench him, we can drop him. But we all know how good of a player he is on the ball. He had the experience with the U.S. national team in the past. He's gotten two assists in two games during the regular season. And I really expect a lot out of that kid. And I'm hoping this this pressure from the other players in the team is going to make him turn it up a notch. And if he does turn it up a notch, he's going to become one of the best midfielders in the league, especially in terms of Americans. And then in terms of the final, right? So on the West, I've got Sporting Kansas City, oddly enough, because... Since there will be no fans, there's not going to be much about passion. It's going to be more about who is the better team and who is the team that can handle this most. Like, who can cope with the things best. And Sporting Kansas City is a very robotic team. In terms of whatever you throw at them, they'll be able to handle. Some teams really ride on their home fans, pushing them forward. And Kansas City obviously have a great fan base. But Kansas City can also get things done on the road. And since every team will technically be on the road and not playing in front of their home fans... When it boils down to who can respond to that best, I think it's going to be Kansas City in the West. In the East, this pick is more about narrative because New York Red Bulls have been the bottle jobs of MLS history, always getting far and then always messing up in the finals or in the playoffs. They don't have any trophies that are the Sporter Shield. They don't have an Open Cup, they don't have an MLS Cup. So that's why I think they're going to actually win this tournament, purely because how funny it's going to be if the Red Bulls finally win something and it's an effectively meaningless mid-season weird kind of tournament that doesn't really matter much it gives some regular season points but not really and it's kind of Champions League qualification but that also doesn't matter as much because you can get that other ways I think in terms of narrative we're almost guaranteed to get a Red Bulls win because then they'll think it's something and every other fan base will immediately shoot it down <laughs> and it's going to cause some really funny things to happen on MLS Twitter <laughs> I love it it's not, it's not the most pragmatic or the most analytical pick but in MLS, storylines usually take priority over on-the-field stuff, and that's why I think the Red Bulls are going to win the tournament. <laughs> I'm <laughs> all for chaos on MLS Twitter, so I love it. Thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, Drew, you have Nashville SC, which is an interesting one, because by the time this podcast comes out, they may be pulled out of this tournament. Uh, we have no idea. So what do you think is going to happen with Nashville if they can actually play? Yeah, like we talked about in our preview episode, I'm not very high on any of the expansion teams going into this, whether it be Miami or Nashville. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot from Nashville. Um, I'm thinking that they win maybe two games at the best, one to two games um, is what I'm saying. They, I don't think they're going to make it to the knockout stage. I think being an expansion team and not having that time together in a format like this makes it very difficult um, to get through if the team even makes it to the competition, which Connor just mentioned. So I have been winning one to two games. I'm not making it through the knockout stage. But the three players I am here to watch, um, I'm kind of going on the opposite end of the young expansion team side. I'm going to some of these veteran players to see how they lead their team in this format that they've never been in with a young team. I'm saying Dax McCarty um, and Walker Zimmerman. Um, Walker Zimmerman from that center back position scored the only goal in the franchise's history against Atlanta, which was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, both these guys have played MLS. Um, they've never played anything like this, as no one has played in anything like this. So I'm excited to see how they get this expansion side and kind of lead them in through this really weird phase of the organization. 
So I have Walker Zimmerman and Dax McCarty for Nashville. I also have Dominique Badgie. Uh, he's a forward for Nashville. I'm excited to see uh, just how they score goals in this team. Um, only one goal from the first two games, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do. So my three players to watch, Dax McCarty, Walker Zimmerman, and Dominique Badgie. And my breakout player kind of connects with Badgie um, is Haney Mukart, Mutart, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and yeah, he did. He played in Denmark for the past couple of years, did really well in his time in Denmark as this like attacking kind of tin role. And I'm excited to see how he connects with Batchy. Um, again, a young relationship there. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops. Um, so yeah, I have Mukhtar as my breakout player, but even though um, it's going to be interesting to see how Nashville develops, um, I'm not very high on him. I think they're going to win one to two games, get through this growing stage, and they'll, they won't make it past the group stage. Yeah, I think Nashville's a really interesting team. They've built heavily around veteran leadership, and that could potentially come in handy in a playoff series. But again, we weren't very high on them in our little prediction video, but I really should stop bringing that up because otherwise we're going to have a four-hour-long podcast. Uh, but that's the end of Group A. Uh, obviously, we've dove through Group A. We'll see if Nashville is still in Group A by the time that this podcast comes out. I'd say odds are they won't be. But we don't know for sure. We don't even know if they're going to be in the tournament. So something to watch out for. Um, let's kick off Group B with who we all had as the favorites to come out of this group. And the Seattle Sanders, who we have our former site writer, uh, I believe site head, Nathan Reynolds. Um, he's been pretty heavily involved in our Slack and is sort of a good member of our community. And... Look forward to hearing from what this expert has to say. So, Nathan, what do you got to say about the Sounders? Uh, it may seem like a long time ago, but the Sounders are still the reigning MLS champions. They opened the tournament against San Jose on Friday, July 10th in the late match that evening. Uh, you know, they're a team that's built to win in the playoffs, uh, so they will feel comfortable in this tournament setting. Um, I expect Seattle to top their group with two wins and a draw, um, with FC Dallas and the San Jose Earthquakes battling it out for that second spot. Um, when you look at the players on their team, you know three that stand out who might have a good tournament. First of all is Jordan Morris. You know it's a real shame that the real 2020 season has been lost because Morris could have been in store for an MVP level year. He scored twice in the opening two matches of the season and will definitely be a threat from the start in Orlando. However, as a type 1 diabetic, it'll be interesting to see how things play out with his involvement as the risk and case numbers in Florida continue to rise. Uh, the second player to look out for is Raul Ruiz Diaz. Um, he's been Seattle's leading scorer for the past two seasons, and I expect him to thrive in this format as the Sounders will most often sit back, absorb pressure, and then look for the counterattack um, using his speed and Jordan's speed. Um, going up against defenses that won't be fully up to speed yet sets up perfectly for Raul's style of play. And the third one, and a new face to most MLS fans, will be Yao Paolo, um, the Seattle's new central midfielder. Um, there are a lot of big expectations that he can become the team's new star and dominate, uh, become a dominating force in the middle of the pitch for the next few years. He'll be playing alongside uh, Gustav Svensson and will be the one out of that pairing that will get forward the most, helping Nico Ladero create chances 
and arrive late into the box. Uh, if you're looking for a breakout player with the Sounders this year, um, it's probably going to be Miguel Abreu. Um, Harry Ship retired in the offseason, and Miguel should see a lot more time as a sub and more starts given the compact nature of the schedule. You know, his style fits nicely with what the Sounders do, and he should end up getting quite a few chances as opposing defenses will have to focus in on Jordan Morris, Rui Diaz, and uh, Nico Madero. Um, as far as the final goes, I'm going to say that LAFC takes on Minnesota United with LAFC winning 2-1. Thanks However, uh, given everything be interesting that's going to see just on, how good Seattle um, does in this tournament this and whether tournament, or not they can stay healthy and just how good these players will be in a playoff setting if they will come out of the West facing off against a pretty decent LAFC team who, granted, are missing Carlos Vela, but they're still scary. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the knockout stages. Let's move on to a team who probably shouldn't be included in this podcast. Uh, by the time we're recording this, when we started recording this, FC Dallas has been kicked out of the tournament by MLS due to the number of positive COVID cases they have, uh, being 10 players and one coach. So we thought it only right to include the fact that they could have been involved in this tournament, which brings in Ivan, who will sort of give his thoughts on how good they he thinks they're going to be. Uh, for this, I'm taking it. So for the first question, he sort of thinks Dallas will do he thought Dallas would do well. He thought that they'd get three wins and finish in the quarterfinals, which is a relatively good finish for them. Um, obviously, that's not the case anymore. But they could have done well in this tournament. So, FC Dallas fans, I'm sorry. Uh, the three players that he was sort of excited to see from uh, FC Dallas were Franco Jara, who's a new signing from Pachuca. He's pretty decent. Um not much I have to say about him. He's just good. Uh, he also was excited to see U.S. national team right back Reggie Cannon, who's young. He's gotten a bit of interest from Europe, and he's going to be an interesting case to watch to see how long he stays around at MLS. And finally, Paxton. This is going to be fun. Pomichel? Pomichel? How do I say it? Pomichel? All right. Pomichel. Paxton Pomichel, as Drew is nodding his head, or Josh is nodding his head, slapping his forehead because I don't know how to say that name. Um, this would be a lot better with video so you could see these facial reactions at me completely messing up names. <laughs> but fortunately, we're not doing that quite yet. Uh, but yeah, he's excited to see those two guys who could be really impactful players for the U.S. men's national team in the future. Uh, in terms of the breakout player that he's really looking forward to from his team, uh, he's looking forward to seeing Jesus Ferreira. Uh, he's got nine goals and 35 appearances for FC Dallas, and he sees this as an opportunity for him to become one of the better American strikers in MLS, which currently, apart from Gassi Zardes and Josie Altador, they're pretty short on. So potentially this is going to be a really good chance for... Um, FC Dallas and the U.S. Men's National Team to find another striker. We're going to save the prediction for the final uh, because he mentions it later in one of his audio portions, which I believe he did for the San Jose Earthquakes because he's a San Jose writer. Um, so you'll hear that in a little bit. Uh, 
Let's talk about Drew's team, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. He didn't do this prediction. We had former writer uh, Gareth Wolf do the prediction for us. He's a guy who's also very active in our little Slack community. Um, good guy. And, of course, we had to have Drew do this as the resident Vancouver Whitecaps fan. So, Drew, what did Gareth have to say in terms of how well Vancouver's going to do in this tournament? Yeah, so he talks about, you know, Vancouver's group, which at the time had Seattle, and we're still not entirely sure what that group is going to look I mean, Dallas, not Seattle. Seattle's 100% in the tournament. Vancouver was drawn to a group of Dallas, um, so we're still waiting to see what is going to come of that group. But yeah, uh, Grant has Vancouver uh, going runner-up in this group. He has Seattle winning the group, as I think uh, all three of us did in our preview, and I think as a lot of people do. So he has Seattle winning the group of Vancouver getting that runner-up spot and getting through the knockout round. Um, but although he does have them in the knockout round, he thinks they're going to go down in the first round. Um, and when he's talking about the three players that he's excited to watch, uh, he looks to the new signings, um, specifically Lucas Cavallini, and there's a lot of buildup around him and his signing in Vancouver. He also points to Leonard Owusu, um, another guy helping Vancouver score goals and just hold down the midfield. So he's got Cavallini and Owusu. And he also has another newcomer, Christian Dahomey, uh, from Columbia, a young 26-year-old midfielder. So he's excited to see these three guys, um, newcomers in Vancouver, trying to see what they can do under Mark Dos Santos in a pretty crazy format. Um, but for his breakout player, he's going young. He's going with a draft pick, Ryan Raposo. Uh, he said, yeah, he had a pretty impressive start to his pro career. I mean, he looked pretty good in preseason when he's playing with the Whitecaps. Uh, he got an assist in the first two matches before the lockdown happened. So it was a really good start for Ryan's uh, career in Vancouver. Um, he's playing in that forward spot. There's a lot of competition in the forward spot for Vancouver and under Dos Santos. Um, but yeah, Ryan thinks that... Um, Grant thinks that Ryan has a shot to compete for that starting spot, even though he's really young. So those are his players that he's looking out for. As far as the final goes, uh, he is he's taking a pretty... Um, default approach here. He's picking Atlanta to come through in the East. Um, he's picking uh, Sporting Kansas City to come through the West. I misread that. He doesn't think LAFC um, because they don't have Carlos Vela. Um, it's going to be hard for them to go through. So he has an Atlanta and Sporting Kansas City, Kansas City final, and he has Atlanta United winning the MLS is back tournament. So Good stuff, Grant. Thanks for contributing to us. And yeah, maybe Atlanta will win the final. I'd be okay. It's really interesting that he chose Atlanta to go to the final and do really well because you two weren't very high on them and I sort of had them a bit higher. But you can go back to that podcast and listen to our prediction around Atlanta and the rest of the tournament. But let's hear from Ivan's actual voice as opposed to my description. So, Ivan, what is your prediction for how MLS is back is going to finish, and how do you think San Jose are going to do? So that is difficult because I have no idea which San Jose Earthquakes is going to show up. We saw a few sparks of the quality San Jose Earthquakes can produce, but they scraped a 2-2 win against... Toronto FC, and they got battered by Minnesota United in their only games in the 2020 season proper prior to the suspension of the league. So it's hard for me to be totally optimistic, although I do think that Mateus Almeida is a great coach and a 
they have some great players on this team. They're in a group with Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, and Vancouver Whitecaps. I think the team that Sounders Earthquakes can beat is Vancouver Whitecaps. I don't think they'll beat the Sounders. So that leaves FC Dallas. I think they might be able to get a draw. I don't think they'll beat FC Dallas. And then once they get to the round of 16, as possibly the third place finisher in Group B, they'll face the winner of Group D. So likely either Minnesota United or Sporting Kansas City. And I think that's where it ends for the Earthquakes. So I think they'll get one win in this tournament. And they'll go out in the round of 16, which I think is a fair place to put the San Jose Earthquakes. They can improve from what they've shown in the end of the 2019 season and the beginning of this season. But they still have a long way to go to get to where I want them to be, where the fans want them to be, as a truly contending team in MLS. They're not just there yet, but this tournament can help them get there. It's just too soon for them to go much further than the round of 16. And three players from the San Jose Earthquakes I'm excited to see in this format. I'm always excited to see Jackson Ewell play. He is the heartbeat of the midfield. He is integral for San Jose Earthquakes' success in this tournament and in the future. So I hope he'll play well, and I hope We'll see him connect with the attacking options and provide San Jose Earthquakes a bit of a lifeline to score some goals against some of these good teams they're going to be up against. Another player I'm excited to see is Osvaldo Alanis. How can you not be excited about a center back that can score a free kick as well as he did against Toronto SC? Hopefully he gets a chance to score from another set piece in this tournament. And also I'm excited to see Chris Wondolowski. I don't know how much longer we have of Chris Wondolowski. could be the end of his time in MLS and San Jose Earthquakes once the 2020 season resumes and ends. And whether that ends with not reaching the playoffs or getting knocked out of the playoffs or who knows, by some stroke of magic, winning some sort of silverware, who knows. But... With a player that has been as important to the league and the club as Chris Wondolowski, you just got to enjoy him while you have him. And that's what I look forward to doing. So for a breakout player for the team, this was also tough because my initial first choice is going to be Gilberto Fuentes, but he's currently on loan at Reno in USL. So I believe that rules him out of participating in this tournament. But then there's also Cade Cowell. This is a 16-year-old player who the coaches have a lot of fond words for. I think Cade Cowell certainly has potential. He made his debut for the San Jose Earthquakes last summer, June 2019, in a coming on as a substitute in a 4-3 victory over Sacramento Republic. And I think this will be a good tournament for him to get some minutes to see what he can do, and I think of the young players currently on the San Jose Earthquakes roster, he has the most to gain from participating in this tournament. I, even though Marcos Lopez is a bit more established, I would have loved to see him play in this tournament, but he recently underwent appendectomy, so I believe that could rule him out of this tournament as well, and I wish him the best in recovering. And lastly, Predicting the final and who will win this tournament. 
So my final, I predicted Atlanta United against Seattle Sounders. I have both of them winning their respective groups. And Seattle's path to the final is being Chicago Fire round of 16, LAFC in the quarterfinals, who could be without Carlos Vela, and being NYC in the semifinal. Whereas Atlanta's path to the final that I predicted would be taking out Sporting Kansas City in the round of 16, then Toronto FC in the quarterfinals, and then New England Revolution in the semifinals. So both of them will have to play against some tough teams to get there. And I think there will be a bit more pressure on the Sounders to win this tournament to prove they are still the best. And they do have some significant roster turnover, particularly with the defense. And while they certainly have the depth to back it up and their players are capable of making that transition, I feel like Atlanta United's chemistry and talent will be just enough to beat the Seattle Sounders in the final. So I'm predicting Atlanta United wins 3-2 in the final over Seattle Sounders for the MLS's back tournament. That's really interesting to hear what you have to say around San Jose. It's a team who faced off against the next team that we're going to cover, and the first team in Group C in Toronto, and showed a little bit of promise early in the year. So we'll see whether or not they can succeed into the playoffs and whether or not they could maybe push into a successful Western Conference push if LAFC aren't as strong as they are supposed to be when they have a full, healthy lineup, uh, including Carlos Vela. As I mentioned... We're diving into Group C. Um, first team we have in Group C is that top of the group. My club, Toronto FC. I'm not doing this prediction. Instead, we're having a former site writer named Brady Reed. Uh, Brady currently writes for Waking the Red, who's a competitor of MLS Multiplex. But we're combining, combining platforms for this podcast because he knows his stuff. And we didn't... You don't want to hear my voice for more than you have to. So let's let Brady tell you a bit about the Toronto FC. I mean, in my opinion, I, I think I think Toronto FC, you know, they head into Orlando as, as one of the clear favorites and, 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 and are likely to come out of Group C and probably at the top for me. Uh, you look at who they've got to play. It's three familiar opponents in, in the Revolution and, and obviously Montreal and then DC United and teams they've had success against in the recent past. And you know, I think a lot of things are in their favor. They're they're very healthy. They're going to have a healthy Michael Bradley, and you know their new DP signing Pablo Piatti is, is going to be healthy and available, and and, and arrested Alejandro Pozuelo. So, you know, and and the tournament format is is in their favor as well. I mean, they've got a lot of depth, particularly up front. So, you know, I think they have a very genuine chance. Of, I think they'll pick up two wins and a draw in the group stage, and, and I, I I think. They might go all the way, to be quite honest. Uh, with regards to players on, on on the Reds that I'm looking forward to seeing, I mean, of course, Piatti's he's yet to debut for the club. He's the, he's their DP signing, and injuries have been a concern for him. He's definitely in the twilight of his career. But you know, we're talking about a winger who who's played in La Liga at the, at the very top of of the game. So if he's anywhere near 100%, he's going to be an X factor for the Reds. Uh, Richie Larea is another name that intrigues me. Um, He's kind of become the twelfth man, the the super sub for for Toronto ever since he he joined the team last year, and that same role for him in the national program seems to be developing. And 
you know, like we I've mentioned before with the with the quick quick games, you know, four or five days between. I, I think Larea's role is going to only increase, and and he's proven in the, in the playoffs, and you know, in their home opener against New York, he can come off the bench and draw penalties, and, and you know, and have a lot of pace out wide, be it you know, at wing back or on the wing. And the third one for me is is Liam Frazier. I mean, he's he's a guy who's just been chomping at the bit now for for years for Toronto. I mean, he kind of, in some ways, I I think of Phil Foden with Manchester City. When I think of Liam, he's just this young local kid who's just dying to get a chance. And you know, when he does get out there, he impresses every time. And so, you know, Toronto's gonna have to use their bench. Every team's gonna have to use their bench. And I think Liam's gonna get a shot. And if he does, he's already showed in that that game last fall against the U.S. and against his, his club teammate, Michael Bradley, like, you know, what he can do. So I think Greg Vanny's got to give him a look. And with regards to a breakout player, for me, I think Achara has that potential. Uh, he, he was another player who shined in the in the home opener. He got the goal against New York City and had another one called off. And, you know, for somebody who's making his pro soccer debut, I, I you know, I was, I was in the house that night. He certainly didn't look out of place as... His energy, his his work rate, and, and his strength are are just, they jump off the page for me. And you know, if he can get an opportunity to play with with all the uh, with all the different players they have up top, I think he has a chance to be a real difference maker uh, in the league overall. Uh, I think I think the uh, the breakout player could be Christian Pavon with LA Galaxy. I mean, he's only twenty four years old. I know. You know, some play, some people listening might be Galaxy fans or they follow the league closely. Like they're saying, oh, he's already established. But a lot of people don't really know what he's capable of yet. And I think he has as much or more talent than anybody else in the league. I think he has the ability to take his talents abroad and, and play overseas. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's only played 12 games for the Galaxy to date. He's already scored four goals and, you know, knows Latin anymore. I think he's going to be leaned out a little more heavily. And I think he could be a guy who makes a ton of noise down in Orlando. But as I mentioned before, yeah, the I, th- I think Toronto are, are, are going to be in the final for me, and, and I think they might actually be playing LAFC. I think they're just two teams that can just shoot the lights out, and, and in that you know that quick bang-bang format, I just think teams are going to have a real hard time keeping the ball out of the back of their net up against the two of them. And with Toronto, I mean, they've proved you know throughout the playoffs in the last five years, just they're just so good at finding a way to get over the line, be it 1-0 or 4-3, and... You know, with LAFC, I know last year they were, you know, like this franchise record in, in the regular season, and it all came crashing down. But, you know, uh, Zlatan is out of L.A. now, and he was kind of their kryptonite. So I think if Vela and, and LAFC can get hot in the round, Robin, I don't think anybody's going to stop them. So, yeah, I've got TFC and LAFC in the final. And, you know, from a neutral standpoint, I think that would be, you know, a, a treat to watch. But I'm going to give Toronto FC the edge just because they've been there, done that, and, I feel like they, they they can find a way to do it a little bit more uh, dynamically than LAFC. So, yeah, I'm going to take TFC 2-1 to one in the finals. And, uh, yeah, from a neutral perspective, I think that would be uh, quite a game to watch for sure. Thanks a lot, Brady. We really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day. Um, let's dive into the New England Revolution with Sam Minton, who's going to tell us a bit about what we got to look out for on New England. So, Sam. What do we got to know? So the Revs, they didn't get off to the best of seasons, but I think in a tournament they'll be able to turn things around. It's kind of like a fresh restart for them. So I think in the group they're going to do overall rather well. I think um, their first matchup is against the Montreal Impact and the Maple Syrup Derby. 
Um, in Montreal, they kind of struggled. The, the pitch, it wasn't that good. As Bruce Arena described it, it was concrete. So I think they're going to want to avenge that last second loss they have. So I'm predicting New England gets off to a good start and is able to defeat the Montreal Impact. The next matchup is going to be a bit tougher. It's against uh, DC United. And the Revolution, they haven't had the best of luck when it comes to uh, playing against DC. They have just they have won just one of their last 11 games, but they're due for a win. And I think if they want to get out of the group, they're going to have to uh, win at the minimum tie this game against DC United. But I think they're going to be able to. I think they're going to get out to a nice 2-0 start and get near the top of the table. Um, but I think when they do face Toronto FC, they're just going to be too powerful. You know, they are the reigning Eastern Conference champions. So I think they're going to end the group with a loss. But I think those two wins will be enough to carry them into the next round. And then it all depends on the luck of the draw. Um, the Revolution, if they were to come in second, like I predict, they would face looks like either new york city fc enter miami or the chicago fire you know any combination of those three teams are going to be at the top it seems like um if they get the fire i think they have a chance you know they did play them early on the season um they did end up tying but i think if they get another chance they've already played them that they should be able to advance but most likely, I think they're going to end up with either Inter-Miami. That's who I believe Inter-Miami will get that second seed. And if that is the case, I'm pretty sure that that will be the end of the run for the Revolution there. So most likely, the Revolution will be out. They'll have a good group stage, but they'll most likely be knocked out in the first round. So who are you excited to see on New England? One of the players I'm most excited to see is Carlos Hill. We've yet to see him this season due to a foot injury. But all MLS fans should know how great he was. He won the 2019 Newcomer of the Year Award. And it'll be interesting to see how he works with newcomers. Adam Buxa, obviously. Uh, Gustavo Bo was a big part of the attack um, last season and continued on this season. But I think that midfield is going to be very important to watch. You know, I think the Revs have a quality uh, back four and they have some great attackers up front. So Heagle's definitely going to be someone who's going to be exciting to watch. Another player I'm excited to watch is Henry Kessler. The rookie got off to a pretty good start. It seems that the pairing with him and Andrew Farrell is working rather well. But what impressed me the most was the youngster's calmness, his poise, you know, his tackles, they're calculated. And I was really impressed with his defensive ability. So it'll be interesting to see in this new tournament format if he's able to continue to do that or if the Revs are going to be forced to find a new combo of center backs. But I think Kessler will do rather well, and if he can be, he's definitely going to be a player that New England Revolution fans grow to love as his career continues to progress. And finally, one of the players on most side to watch is Christian Pena. He had a great start to the season. He did have an assist, it was a great cross uh, to Teal Bunbury, but what was more uh, impactful and more noticeable was just his work rate going from box to box. His defending skills were much better. He was causing turnovers, which led to him using his pace to get up the field and create some opportunities for guys like Gustavo Bo, Teal Bunbury, and all the great attackers that the Revs have. So if Pania can continue to keep up that work rate, to continue that great box-to-box play, I think he could cause a problem for the opposition in Group C and beyond. And who do you think is going to break out in this tournament? 
So a player I think that can break out for the New England Revolution is Adam Buxa. You know, the Revs acquired him this offseason, and I really think that at the beginning of the regular season, he was still trying to get his footing, still get used um, to the rest of the squad. But I think in this tournament, he will be able to, having played those games, be more comfortable, and I think we could see him score a lot more goals and help carry the Revolution into the knockout stage. And also, looking around at the rest of the MLS, of course you have a guy like Carlos Vela who can go off, but I think someone that fans should keep an eye on is NYCFC's Jesus Medina. I really think that he can build off his performance last season. You know, he had a great game against New England Revolution where he came off the bench and scored two goals. He started the first two games of the season, so I think he'll be someone you want to watch you know, he has some great poise in the final third, and I think he'll find a way to uh, tally some goals in the tournament, and I think he's definitely someone that fans should keep an eye on. And to wrap it up, what is your prediction for the final of the MLS's back tournament, and who will be taking the glory of that Champions League spot in the winter? My prediction is that the final will be between LAFC and Atlanta United, and I think that LAFC, powered by Carlos Vela, will be able to pull it out. And we'll give a prediction of a 3-2 score. So Carlos Vela and LAFC will be the winners of the 2020 MLS's back tournament. Thanks a lot, Sam. Um, let's dive into our final team. Uh, sort of skip past New York, or New, New York, New England, uh, and dive into Montreal because it's another team who could potentially do very well in this tournament and is probably one of the more strong ones in a MLS is, is back. So Dan, who is a current writer for the platform, how do you think Montreal are going to do in the upcoming tournament? I have Montreal winning their group. I think they're going to top group C. I have them defeating the New England Revolution and DC United, and I think they're going to draw with Toronto FC. In terms of where they're going to finish in the knockout rounds, I have them exiting the tournament in the quarterfinals. I think they're going to meet Atlanta United in the quarterfinals. And unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to get past Atlanta United in that matchup. For three players I have to watch during this tournament uh, from the Montreal Pact, the first one is Maxi Rudy. He's already scored three goals this season. On his first two appearances, he scored two goals against FC Dallas in his last match before the postponement of the season. So I think he's going to be huge for them again offensively. And I'm expecting to score some more goals during this competition. Second player is going to be uh, Safir Tadir, uh, their designated player. He's definitely one of their their uh, playmakers on the squad. He's uh, he's played pretty well so far this season, and he's definitely a reliable player, I think, for Montreal when it comes to creating chances. The third player is Victor Wainyama, who just joined from uh, Tottenham Hotspur recently. Uh, he's going to probably make his debut during this tournament at some point, so I'm really excited to see what he can do when he's uh, introduced into the side. For my breakout player, it's going to be Louis Binks, who uh, arrived from Tottenham in the offseason. He's already started in the first two matches that he's played for Montreal. And I think he could definitely develop into one of the top defenders in MLS. So I think he's definitely a player that uh, is going to have a breakout performance during this competition. Uh, he's definitely going to be one of the leaders in the back line for Montreal. Thanks a lot, Dan. Uh, we appreciate it. I believe you're on later as well. So we'll hear from you again uh, in a little bit. But let's hear from one of our other podcast hosts. You'll hear from Josh very soon. He's pretty heavy into Group E, so look forward to that. But let's round off Group C with the DC United. Drew, how do you think DC are going to do? 
I am pretty high on DC United coming in this tournament. I think they're going to finish uh, runner-up in their group. I think they're going to win two games and get that runner-up spot, but I do think they're going to be knocked out in the first round. So I am seeing um, <clears throat> a knockout appearance from DC United, even though, like Connor said, this is a pretty competitive group. I think they're going to get out of it, and they're not going to last too long in the knockout rounds, but nonetheless, in that group, it's a pretty good accomplishment just to get out of there. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to get out of the group, but knocked out in the first round. As for my three players to watch, um, I kind of hinted at it when I talked about DC United, our last, our little preview thing, um, but I'm looking at Julian Gressel, Ola Kamara, and Edison Flores, specifically with Julian Gressel, um, like me and Josh talked about, they kind of used him in a different way than he had been used before in Atlanta on that right, they were kind of playing him in the middle, so we'll see if DC United figures that out and puts him on the right. Specifically, I'm looking at the connection between Gressel and Kamara. Um, Kamara had, in 2019, he only played five games due to injury, but in those five games he played, he scored three goals. So he's a very efficient goal scorer in the time we saw him in 2019. So I think between Julian Gressel and him, I think that has a lot of making for a really good pairing in this tournament, Um, which also, spoiler alert, is why I picked Kamara as my breakout player. I think his 2019 was just a hint of what we're going to see in this competition, um, specifically if they use Julian Gressel well, if he fires in those balls from the right like he did so well in Atlanta. That's going to make for a really good shot for Kamara to get his head on some goals. But so yeah, Kamara is my breakout player. Uh, Julian Gressel and Kamara as well are my two of my three players to watch. But I'm also looking at Edison Flores. Um, he was recently brought into the club. He has the wonderful stress of being the club record transfer fee. Um, So obviously when you get in that title of a lot of money being spent on you and you're new in this format, there's a lot of questions, a lot of uh, expectations around you. So I'm excited to see how he does. I'm excited to see where he plays, um, how he's used. So yeah, my three players to watch, Julian Gressel, Ola Kamara, Edison Flores. And I really think Kamara is going to do really well in this competition. I think him and Gressel are going to pair up. So that is why I picked Kamara as my breakout player. Of course, you're using that Atlanta United uh, knowledge on Gressel and have high hopes for him. So it'll be exciting to see just how well he succeeds in a more of a central role on DC. Speaking of DC and speaking of D, that's the end of Group C. Let's dive into Group D. Um... Real Salt Lake is our first team. We got Dan Garza coming back to you as he just spoke like 30 seconds ago. So hopefully you enjoyed his voice and he'll give you a bit of a preview on Real Salt Lake. So Dan, how do you think Real Salt Lake are going to do? I have Real Salt Lake finishing in third place. I think they're going to lose to the Colorado Rapids and then pick up draws against Sporting Kansas City and Minnesota United. And who are you excited to see on Real Salt Lake? For the three players I'm excited to see in this format, the first one I have is Albert Rusnak, who's their, probably their best player on their team, I think, right now. He's their, uh, he's definitely one of their offensive leaders. That's why he's a designated player, very talented, and I think he's going to perform really well. Second player I have is Demir Krylich. He's scored the only goal this season so far for Real Salt Lake. Of course, they've only played two matches, but he's usually one of those guys who's always there to score goals for them. The third player I have is Justin Merrim, who's recently arrived this past offseason. He's always been a journeyman in uh, MLS already. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do for RSL uh, and his new role with them. And finally, uh, because we've already heard your prediction earlier on in the podcast, who is your breakout player for Real Salt Lake? For the breakout player I have for RSL, it's going to be uh, Jason Ramirez, who just arrived this offseason. I think he's a really talented player who's uh, 
probably uh, going to be the replacement for uh, Jefferson Saverino, who left uh, to play in Brazil. So I'm really excited to see what uh, Jason Ramirez can do for RSL. Uh, and his first, uh, probably for his first big uh, appearance for them, uh, will be in this tournament. Thanks a lot, Dan. And yeah, um, so I think that RSL probably will not make the knockout SKC, stages. Because SKC are a team that well. a lot of so people are pretty high on. They got some really good talent there. And it'll be really interesting to see what uh, one of our key writers, Nathan Dunn, has to say. So, Nathan, what do we got to know about SKC? My prediction for Sporting KC in this MLS's back tournament is I think they can do some damage and go deep into this tournament because they have such a good attacking front. But my, my worry is the midfield. With just four quality midfielders after Felipe Gutierrez's injury, uh, that's a big question mark for me entering this tournament. But my final prediction, it's going to be I think Sporting KC is going to get knocked out in the quarterfinal. I think the injuries and the fatigue is just going to come back to get them. And now my next point on the players to be excited about. Number one, Luis Martins, the left back. I think he's a big upgrade from Seth Snowa because he provides a greater attacking threat and he can deliver dangerous balls into the box. And that's something Seth Sinovic, I think, struggled with, attacking. And I think Martins is, I rate him very highly. Next is midfielder Gotti Kinda. He's a great attacking spark. He's all over the place. He's, he's quick, and he scored two goals in the first two games of the season. And, He's a big off-season signing that was certainly overlooked. And my third one, the Mexican star striker, Alan Pulido. Uh, off-season acquisition, one of the biggest one, second biggest behind Chicharito in MLS this, this year. And two goals in two games. He's already shown Peter Vermees, his work ethic, and he's the most stereotypical forward signing that Peter Vermees has ever had. And... My breakout player from SKC this year is going to be Gadi Kinda. Virtually unknown before signing, the Israeli has really surprised everyone throughout preseason and has continued that into the two regular season games back in February and March. And my breakout player from MLS, that's going to be Seattle Sounders center back Javier Arriaga, the Ecuadorian international put in some solid performances before the pandemic and looks to be a good replacement with the loss of Roman Torres and Kim Kihi. For my prediction of the final, I'm going to predict Philadelphia Union meet LAFC. And I think the quality of LAFC outdoes the Philadelphia Union. As, I mean, LAFC are just, I think, clearly the best team, the best outfit to win this tournament. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Let's get into the next team, because this is a pretty even group. Uh, it's got a lot of experience in it, and no team is more experienced than the Colorado Rapids, uh, featuring players from Toronto FC who have been to MLS Cup and numerous other very 
experienced, let's put it that way, players. But Hilario. Uh, Hilario Muniz is a, currently a writer for MLS Multiplex as well. Hilario, what do you have to say about Colorado and just how good you think that they are? So I think we all know that the Rapids were coming into this season being held to a little bit of a higher standard than normal. Um, really exciting play the second half of the year last year um, that was you know due in part to the changes in the coaching staff. And I think um, attempting to bring some of that momentum into the 2020 season um, you know, should be what's expected out of this group. I think we saw that with their 2-0 start in the MLS back in March. Um, you know, one of a few teams to get going like that. You know, it's kind of uncertain what um, I think they could have been um, for the rest of the year. I think you really start to, you know, shake off that early season rust, May or June. You know, July would have been really what we would have seen in terms of this rapid squad if they were still really high up for playoff contention, if they were leading the Western Conference, things like that. I think, you know, we're, we're just going to miss that kind of stuff. And, you know, not just the Rapids. I think every single team is kind of restarting here. Um, with new personnel, new players, a lot of things like that. When it comes to this tournament, I think a lot of people are in agreement that um, Group D, where the Rapids have been placed, along with Real Salt Lake, Minnesota United, and Sporting Kansas City, um, happens to be one of the tougher groups um, in the entire tournament. Um, I think it combines 6-0 and 2 record in the first two matches in MLS overall. I think that this group can definitely get out of group stages. Have them getting all the way to the quarterfinals. I think that's a realistic goal for Robin Frazier and company at this point. Um, they've got a lot of young talent, a lot of veteran leadership. They've added some new players um, in this most recent transfer window a couple days ago. Um, I think some some pieces that we're going to be missing at the start of the season, you know, like Sam Vines, Jonathan Lewis, um, some of these guys getting called up for national team duties. Um, you have them back. You really have a full team at this point. No... Um, unexpected injuries so you know I th definitely think quarterfinals is realistic unfortunately that's kind of where things get a little muddled for me um, I think depending on who moves on you know this is kind of a weird tournament um, with some of the biggest stars missing you're not really sure um, what kind of effect that's going to have on the bracket itself so I think you know kind of just guessing up until that quarterfinal spot's kind of safe to say and, you know, anything after that's just, you know, a complete bonus. If they're able to win the tournament, get on back to the Champions League, I think, you know, that would be great for the organization, for the fans, um, and, you know, just gear up again for the regular season at the completion. And who are three players that you're excited to see on the Rapids uh, during this tournament? Um, three players that I'm really excited to see, you know, at the start of matches again. I think for me, number one is Eunice Namely. Uh, you know, a lot of hype over this guy for the last two years. Um, finally able to secure his um, transfer over to MLS. I think, you know, we saw a glimpse of what he's capable of, um, especially in Orlando City where he got his first MLS goal. And I think, you know, getting him some more regular playing time back on the pitch, I think he's just going to be a really great addition for this squad and, you know, just elevate their level of attack as well as what they can do in the midfield. And, you know, you know, staying up top there, I think secondly, I'd love to see what, um, um, I think what Andre could do there. Um, great rookie season for the Rapids. Uh, I think he could have brought... Uh, double-digit goal scoring if, you know, the season hadn't, you know, turned the way it did. Um, just another young player on this squad that I think could develop into a real MLS threat. Um, and probably third, 
I would probably switch it up and go to the defensive side, as we all know that was kind of one of the weaker areas for the Rapids um, all year long. You know, it, um, it improved with the introduction of um, of Lawless and guys in the back, but I think um, I'm lucky to see Austin Trusty, who we didn't really see in those first two MLS games. You know, a lot of hype coming around this Philadelphia Union homegrown player. I think you know some of those underseen guys that we're re- we were really hyped about. I think we they were kind of advertised as these missing pieces you know and we never really got to see them in those first two games but you know really excited about what this young um this young squad could do you know led by some of those veteran mls guys i think they have a chance you know that they were pegged as favorites um you know probably not direct favorites to win mls overall but you know to certainly be contenders and i think they really showed that potential you know in those first two wins and you know even though they are suited in one of the best um, or toughest groups, I think that they can come out with, you know, a Rocky Mountain Cup um, in Orlando victory, as well as um, a couple other victories against some really good squads in Minnesota and Sporting Kansas City. And who do you think is going to be a breakout player on the Rapids this year? If I'm picking a breakout player for the Rapids, um, you know, I've, I've already mentioned Andre Sam Vines. Um, Austin Trustee, I think if I'm going to go with somebody different, I'm really looking to see what Jonathan Lewis can do. Um, you know, famously being kind of saved from his role at NYCFC, um, getting some pretty quality, some quality minutes there for Colorado last season. Um, I think he has the potential to, I think, you know, turn into a pretty solid um, starting caliber player for the team. But um, with the addition of Nomley and some other guys... Um, like Brian Galvan from Argentina, I think, you know, those opportunities he saw last season could be a little bit harder to find. Um, but I think, you know, Galvan, he's just coming into the organization a couple weeks in, you know, especially, you know, the real unorthodox training camp these guys are having. I think, you know, he's not going to be completely ready um, to come in and compete for major minutes. Um, I think Lewis has that ability to come in and make an impact for the squad, just make it a little deeper, especially with the five substitutions. I think they have that option to really just attack teams um, offensively, and then with five uh, substitutions, really just have the depth to replenish that attack each time. And I think if I'm having to pick a... Um, a breakout player across the league. I'm really rooting for Diego Rossi out in LAFC. I think with the absence of Carlos Vela, you know, opting to stay out of the tournament, I think that, you know, Rossi's their go-to goal scorer, and if anything, he's going to set up some other guys. Um, really, kind of his his moment, you know, to take a hold. I, I know he's had his struggles in the past, but with, you know, Vela just taking a lot of that pressure to score away, I think, you know, with him gone, I think it's going to be on Rossi and Rodriguez to really, um, you know, just get in and contribute. And honestly, no better place than, you know, this tournament in Orlando to kind of shock people is, you know, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect. Now, can you give us your final prediction? Who do you think is going to win MLS is back? So I'm um, having to predict the final as well as, you know, who's taking it all was a little tricky for me. I think like everybody, we're all just kind of waiting to, waiting for Wednesday to see who's actually playing. I know the Rapids were one of the teams who were holding off on fully traveling with the possibility of some confirmed positive COVID tests. And I think, you know, 
with the news today of FC Dallas just opting out of the tournament entirely, um, I think that just changes everything. It's one of those questions that's really hard to, an- to answer at the moment. Um, I thought Seattle and FC Dallas were just kind of were gonna kind of duke it out in their own group, both advance on, um, maybe make it hard for each other down the road. But without FC Dallas there, I think Seattle has a easier way in. Um, for me, I think a surefire team that's gonna be there is gonna be LAFC. Um, even without their star player in Carlos Vela, I think that this team has shown you know the capability of. Um, being the best team this upcoming season, I think, with great off-season form, and um, Concacaf against Leon, you know that first game was pretty rough, but their second game just dominated Leon at home. Um, I think, you know, I know it's a tall task without their star player and argu- arguably the best player in all of Concacaf at the moment, um, but I think they can do it. I think, you know, they have the pieces. They've been kind of reinforced with some off-season signings and Andy Nahad, a MLS veteran who's been playing um you know the last couple of years over in europe um i think i have them on one side and if it's going to come down to seattle and toronto fc on the other side at the moment i think with a a healthy michael bradley i'd go with toronto fc um seattle looked a little shaky in Concacaf, had a hard time of it um i think gel paulo is going to be a a great addition for the Sounders, but they just didn't look like they had it all together just yet, um, where uh, Montreal and a lot of other teams did pretty well in those opening rounds. Um, I think it's going to come down to LAFC against Toronto FC, and in that case, I'd probably go Toronto because of the absence of Vela, so that's going to bite eventually. Um, But I think, you know, Toronto comes out of this, secures the Champions League spot, and then we just gear up for the regular season when it's announced. Thanks a lot, Hilario. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how Colorado does with new ad in Nico Benize, who I am a big fan of. Uh, pretty upset that TFC let him go, but at least he's playing on a good team in Colorado with some good boys and Drew Moore and Clint Irwin. Let's dive into our final team of Group D uh, before we get into finally hearing Josh's voice again. Let's dive into Minnesota United with Matt Coles. Matt, what do we got to know about Minnesota United, man? Starting off, um, Minnesota's chances in this tournament, it's, it's going to be tough for the Loons. Um, grouped together with Real Salt Lake, Sporting Kansas City and the Rapids in Group D. Along with the Loons, both SKC and Colorado won their first two games and sit tied atop of the Western Conference. Real Salt Lake... Also unbeaten, they they drew both of their opening matches in the regular season. So all four teams still yet to lose in 2020 in the league. Um, Minnesota's first game comes against Sporting on Sunday the 12th, and that's critical, uh, in my opinion. The winner of that match will go on to top the group, I feel. And if you top the group, of course, you get a better qualification spot in the round of 16. And the winner of Group D will play a third place team while the runner up will face the winner of Group E, which could be either Atlanta or the Red Bulls. And that would be a much trickier task than um, playing a third place team in that round of 16. I do feel that if Minnesota can win this group, and they definitely can with the firepower they've got, then they do have a chance of going all the way in this tournament. And who are some players we should watch out for? Three players to look out for. I think 
um, in MLS's back. If Carlos Vela features, then he will be the main man of the tournament without doubt. But of course, there is there is possibility that he won't play due to what is going on um, in the world right now. If he doesn't, then the likes of um, Sporting's new star striker Alan Polito will um, have eyes on him. Of course, Minnesota will be hoping to keep him quiet. Maxi Aruti scored three times in the opening two games of the regular season. He tops the league at the moment. And of course, with Atlanta now without Joseph Martinez through that ACL injury um, he suffered on the season opener, Ezequiel Barco really needs to step up. He's not lived up to the potential and the hype yet. Um, and this tournament could be his sort of breakout start for the uh, five stripes. And what about a breakout player? Breakout player for Minnesota could be one of two I've chosen. I've gone for Thomas Chacon, the Uruguayan attacking midfielder. Um, he's only played twice for the club since signing in August 2019, but this format could work for him to get some game time and to uh, show the Loons fans what he can really do. If not, then it could be Hassani Dotson, of course, in brilliant form last season for Minnesota, both on the wing and at fullback. Uh, and league-wide, I feel, look out for Javier Hernandez, Chicharito. Um, the former Manchester United man is, of course, aiming to fill Zlatan Ibrahimovic's boots. Um, but as Mexico's leading goal scorer, and plenty of plenty of those you know, have come in major tournaments, this format could be the perfect way to kick-start his MLS career. And what is your prediction for the final, and who is going to win MLS is back? Predicting the final is difficult. Um, you would have gone for... Probably, or I would have definitely gone for LAFC against Atlanta in the final, um, but without the poss- you know, possibly without Vela and without Martinez for definite, um, those two sides might not might not make it all the way. Despite being arguably the best teams in the league, all eyes on Seattle, New York City FC, Toronto, and the Galaxy. If um, Chicharito can start firing the goals in. Um, depending on who finishes where, I think you're looking at a Seattle v New York City final with Seattle taking the spoils as they did last season in MLS Cup. Thanks a lot, Matt. As one of the few British writers at MLS Multiplex, we appreciate the change in accent and appreciate your opinion on Minnesota. Maybe on social media you can let us know how you became a Minnesota fan because I'm really interested to hear on how just that came about with you and how you got into MLS from England. Um, but yeah, the end of Group D. Drew and Josh, this one you boys are hitting back-to-back because we're starting Group E off with your club, Eastern Conference finalists who lost to Toronto FC. I'm going to bring that up as many times as I possibly can on the show. Atlanta United. Let's hear from Josh first because we haven't heard your wonderful voice in quite some time. So what do you have to say about Atlanta United? Yeah, so we talked about it last week in our little prediction episode, but I've got Atlanta finishing second in the group, advancing to the knockout round. I do have them losing to LAFC. It's more of a product of who their opponent is. So if they get a different team, I think they might be able to go a little bit deeper in the tournament. That's as far as I've got them going. As for three players to watch, 
We've got Miles Robinson, center back. He missed the first two games due to injury. He missed uh, all the playoffs last year because of injury. Stupid U.S. national team. Uh, so I'm excited to see him back in action. Hopefully he can pick up right where he left off last year, lead that back line. We've also got P.T. Martinez as a player to watch. Uh, he still hasn't quite lived up to his potential, I think. He is still the most expensive MLS player, uh, $17 million <clears throat> fee, incoming transfer. So I think it's going to be – I think the team is really going to rely on how well he plays in this tournament. And the last uh, player that I have uh, selected uh, to watch for is Mateus Roseto, who is a Brazilian midfielder, just joined the team this offseason, hasn't gotten a lot of action with the team, obviously, with the league shutting down and whatnot. So I'm really excited to see what he can offer in Atlanta's midfield. There's definitely talk of Frank DeBoer using a false nine, um, and I think he could be a candidate for that specific false nine position. And then uh, as a breakout player, he's been around the league for a while, so I don't really know if he fully qualifies, but I'm looking for Ezekiel Barco to break out. He had two goals in two games before everything shut down he was looking really good and he's looking like he's ready to make the next jump um, as a player as a young player so i'm picking him as my breakout player drew what about you with atlanta united yeah so i'm pretty similar with josh i won't repeat too much of what he just said but we're pretty on the same page as far as atlanta united goes i have them finishing second in the group behind the columbus crew and i'm almost tempted to pick them over lafc with the recent news of carlos vela's absence but I'm going to stick with them getting knocked out in the round of 16. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to get two wins in the group. Um, and yeah, get out of there and get knocked out in the first round. Um, and similar to Josh, uh, I'm very high on Ezekiel Barco. I think he's going to break out this uh, competition. I think in 2019, we had a little glimpse of how good he can be. And he had a lot of expectations with, at the time, the current MLS transfer record. Um, and it hasn't really lived up to that up to date. But last year before international call-ups and injuries, he was really starting to perform at the level people expected him to. And in 2020, like Josh mentioned, two games, two goals. So I'm excited to see him break out. I think, you know, obviously Joseph Martinez isn't going to be there and best goal scorer in MLS. So it's going to be interesting to see how people, how the team fills his shoes. And I think Barco is going to be a really big deal on that. So we're pretty high both on Ezekiel Barco. I think he's going to break out this tournament. I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, he looks like he could be a very promising talent. He was promising when he first showed up. And I do have to add, it is pretty unfortunate we aren't going to see Jurgen Dahm or even uh, we talked about Inter-Miami earlier in LGP, who used to play for Atlanta as well. Uh, if you don't know who that is, Leonardo Gonzalez-Perez. Um, so, yeah, why don't we just sort of move on to Columbus, who are a bit of an interesting team because they're decent but not great. Uh, we have Ryan coming back, and he's going to touch on it a bit. So, Ryan, where do you think Columbus is going to finish in the MLS's back tournament? When you look at the crew's chances in the MLS's back tournament, this is a team that finished 10th in the East last year. But support for the team grew in the offseason with new signings and the expectation that they would improve in Caleb Porter's second year as head coach. As the year began, I think it's fair to say that they were seen by many as a dark horse to make a deep run in this year's playoffs. It seems like forever ago, but the crew got their regular season started with a 1-0 win over NYCFC and a 1-1 draw with the champion Seattle Sounders. They start the MLS's back tournament off against FC Cincinnati, the league's worst team last year, and a team which they drew 2-2 with and beat 2-1 last season. They had a similar showing against their second opponents, the Red Bulls, drawing 1-1 and winning 3-2. 
Against Atlanta, they won both regular season matches last year but lost to the Five Stripes in the U.S. Open Cup. Columbus should be confident against all of the teams in Group E, and they are my pick to win the group. I can see them picking up at least two wins in the group and advancing through to the round of 16. I actually could see them going even deeper, but if Toronto can top Group C, the two sides may meet up in the quarters where I think TFC has the edge, meaning I see the crew winning at least three games in this tournament. When it comes to crew players to get excited about this tournament, I think we have to start with the obvious, and that's Lucas Dallarayan. I think it's an obvious one, but Columbus broke their club record transfer fee to bring him here in the offseason to improve their struggling offense. The attacking midfielder has obviously only played two games for the crew, but scored the winning goal in his very first game. I want to see more of that. The play of Darlington Nagby in the midfield will also be exciting to watch for the Columbus crew in the tournament. Nagby was reunited with Caleb Porter this offseason to be a workhorse in the midfield. He went the full 90 in both matches earlier this year and should be an integral part if they make a tournament run. And finally, Milton Valenzuela. After missing all of 2019 with a torn ACL, the crew were excited to get the young left back back in the lineup this year. While he played the full first game, he was subbed off at halftime in the second game as a precaution after picking up a knock to that same knee. If he can stay healthy and in the lineup all tournament, he should be a key contributor to the team. The MLS's back tournament is a format we've never seen before, so when it comes to picking players and teams who could get hot over a short stretch, it really could be anyone's guess. But for the crew, let's again look at Zellerion. He was the guy brought in to improve the offense, and if the crew make a run, he's going to have a big say in it. League-wide, almost any team can come out of Group D, and that includes Minnesota. They started the year scorching hot, and so did new signing Luis Samarilla with two goals and one assist. He promised 25 goals on the year, and he can definitely ignite Minnesota's offense in this tournament. When it comes to predicting the tournament winner, the easy answer would have been for LAFC to win. But they didn't start the season really that strong, and literally as I'm preparing this, the news that Carlos Vela will likely skip the tournament just came across the ticker. Maybe it's the fact that I live just outside of Toronto, though even objectively, I really like TFC's chances. They're solid all over, Michael Bradley has had time to recover from injury, they have plenty of tournament experience, and have lost just once in their past 16 games, and that was an MLS Cup. I think Portland has a great chance to advance from Group F as well. Maybe in second, and they could make a deep run too. I'll take Toronto over Portland in the final. Thanks a lot, Ryan. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, Josh, you have been put in charge of FC Cincinnati, a very interesting team who's got some decent talent, but hasn't had the greatest success in the past. So... Where do you see them going, and how do you think they're going to do? Well, my prospects for FC Cincinnati, not looking great. I do not have them advancing out of the group, and as as we're talking about now, there's some other really strong teams in this group. So I think Cincinnati's chances are slim. Maybe they might be able to pull out a win against Atlanta or Columbus or Red Bulls. I don't think it's likely, unfortunately. Um, that being said, there are still some really interesting players to watch for on Cincinnati. One of them is Jurgen Lokadia, uh, signed in the offseason. Very prominent striker in Europe uh, who was sold for $20 million at one point to an English Premier League team. Uh, he's now in MLS, and I think he can do some serious damage, so he'll be a player to watch. Another one is uh, Yuya Kubo, another attacking piece for Cincinnati, a team that really struggled in the attacking side of things. Uh, in addition to the defensive side of things. But Yuyu Kubo can also provide a lot in the attack, either as a winger or also in the striker position, either with Locadia or in place of Locadia. And then another attacking player that I've got my eye on for this tournament is Siem Diong. He recently just joined from Netherlands. So 
These are three attacking-minded players that I think will make Cincinnati a much more entertaining team. They will be fun to watch, I think, for good reasons and bad reasons. But with those three specific players, I think they can provide a, finally an attacking punch. As for a breakout player for Cincinnati, I've got the youngster, the young American, Frankie Amaya. He looked really good during some stretches of the season last year when he was getting some solid playing time. Unfortunately, Cincinnati's midfield is a little bit stacked. They've got DeYoung, as I mentioned. They also have Harris Madunianen, who just joined from the Philadelphia Union. <clears throat> and so I don't know how much playing time Frankie Amaya will get. Hopefully a lot. He needs it for his development as a young player. But he's got a lot of potential as a ball-winning midfielder. And so I think he has a chance to really break out for Cincinnati, really put his name on the map. Interesting. Yeah, I think Jurgen Lacadia is someone who you could really watch out for. And Yuya Kubo sounds very interesting. Um, let's actually talk about your favorite team in MLS, the New York Red Bulls. Um, obviously, we put you in charge of this because you're, they are your favorite team. Uh, Harvey Cruz gave this response. So what do you have to tell us about your favorite team in MLS? So... As you, as you mentioned, Harvey Cruz provided the words for us, another excellent uh, site writer at MLS Multiplex. Harvey has New York Red Bulls finishing second in Group E. He's got them with two wins to get through the group, and he also has them as a semifinalist all the way through the tournament. So he's got really high hopes for Red Bulls and what they can accomplish. I don't think it's that far off either. They have a very unique style that really catches teams off guard even to this day. That being said, he's got Kaku as one of the players to watch for. Let's see, attacking midfielder, the number 10 for Red Bulls. He's got a great left foot. Another player to watch for is Christian Casetis Jr. He is one of the midfield replacements uh, with Tyler Adams leaving the last couple of years. He's really stepped up and taken charge of that midfield along with Kaku. And He's another player to watch for. On top of that, Brian White, striker, who effectively took Bradley Wright Phillips' job from this last year as BWP struggled with injury. So Brian Wright's now leading the line in that attack. So those are the three players, Kaku, Caceres, and White, that Harvey thinks people should keep an eye on. As for a breakout player for Red Bulls, he's got another young kid, Kyle Duncan, right back. He's had to deal with a lot of injuries and hasn't quite gotten a starting spot. However, he did score in the opener against Cincinnati earlier in the season. He thinks he'll improve 1v1 defensively. So Harvey's got Kyle Duncan as a breakout player for Red Bulls. And then as for the league, this is what I think a great choice. Gianluca Busio of Sporting Kansas City, who just turned 18, another youngster, a high-energy midfield midfielder with an eye for goal. And Harvey thinks that Peter Vermees, the coach of Sporting Kansas City, will definitely get Busio going. And he thinks Busio will compete for some starts in this tournament. And for the final, Harvey Cruz has LAFC beating Toronto FC 3-1. That would be a pretty crazy final, uh, which I'd be a fan of. But let's dive into Group F, uh, our second last group where, or yeah, our last group, sorry, uh, last four teams in MLS. I don't know why I thought we had a group after this, but this is be our last little prediction from the site. And we're going to start off with LAFC in Daniel Garza. Um, obviously, Carlsville is not going. So 
We'll see. I can't remember exactly if this was recorded before or after Carlos Vela announced that he would not be going. But nonetheless, he's an expert. He knows what he's talking about. So, Daniel, take it away. Hey, everyone. Daniel Garza here with a quick preview for LAFC and what I think the tournament is going to look like for them. First and foremost, I have them winning Group F. I think they're going to be able to defeat the LA Galaxy and the Houston Dynamo. And then I think they're going to draw with the Portland Timbers. That would give them seven points, and I think that should be enough for them to top the group and then advance to the knockout rounds. As far as the knockout rounds themselves, I have LAFC making it as far as the quarterfinals, and that's where I think they're going to exit the tournament. I think the reason for this is going to be, uh, as, as this podcast is being recorded, it sounds like Carlos Vela will not be making the trip with the team to Florida. This is going to be a huge blow for them, and I, I just really can't see them making it any farther than that without Vela in the lineup. For the three LAFC players I have to watch, the first is Brian Rodriguez. Uh, he has yet to score his first MLS goal since arriving last August, but I think that's going to change in this tournament. And I think uh, at the end of this tournament, he's probably going to score a couple goals, actually, not just his first goal. So I think he's really uh, one of the key players for LAFC here uh, during this tournament, and I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, for them in the matches to come. The second player I have to watch is Diego Rossi. We all know he's already a major threat in the league offensively. He scored some really nice goals already uh, during his time with the club, and I think he's going to be their MVP uh, during this competition. Tristan Blackman is my third player to watch. Uh, LAFC is arguably their weakest um, defensively. Uh, I, I think their back line is, is just not up to par with where their midfield and their forwards are at right now. And I think Tristan Blackman here can really step up and make a difference uh, on that back line and, and really cement himself as a leader of the, of the club defensively. For my breakout player, I think Bryce Duke is going to have a huge tournament for LAFC. He recently arrived in, uh, this past offseason from Barcelona's Youth Academy, and he's already been highly praised by the LAFC front office. So I think Bob Riley here is going to give him a lot of opportunities and minutes during this tournament. And I think he's really going to thrive with the opportunities that he's presented. And yeah, I, I just think he's going to be one of those players that, that, that kind of comes out of nowhere um, and makes a big makes a big impact. In terms of a breakout player for the league itself as a whole, um, during this tournament, I have Yunus Damali of the Colorado Rapids as my player to watch. He recently arrived from uh, SC uh, Krasnodar in the Russian Premier League, and I really like what I saw from him already in his first few appearances for the for the Rapids. So I think he's going to have a huge tournament for them, and I think the Rapids in general are a dark horse in this tournament, and I'm really expecting to see uh, a lot of good things from him uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to jump across the city and hit LA Galaxy, where we got Ryan again talking about a team in MLS who everyone isn't really sure what to think about, uh, especially with their early season performances. So, Ryan, what should we look out for, and where do you think LA Galaxy are going to finish? The Galaxy were fifth in the West last year, made the playoffs, but fell to rivals LAFC in the conference semis. With Zlatan Ibrahimovic departing in the offseason, they had a whopping 30 regular season goals to replace from last year. Mexican international Javier Hernandez was, or is, supposed to be that guy. But his debut for the Galaxy left plenty to be desired with no points or shots on target in LA's first two games. However, LA was definitely guilty of not utilizing him to the best of his ability, electing to throw an incredible 54 crosses into the box over their first two games, 27 in each. That's not Chicharito's game and Skeletal has hopefully adjusted the team's tactics over the break. LA's results in their first two games this year were an uninspiring 1-1 draw with Houston and a 1-0 loss to Vancouver. When you look at their Group F opponents, first they start with Portland, a team they split the series with last year where each team won at home. 
Against their crosstown rivals, LAFC, they were undefeated in five regular season games all time, but finally lost to them in the playoffs last year. And against Houston, they split the season series with the Dynamo last year as each team won at home. It may be an unpopular opinion, but I'm not sure I even see the Galaxy getting out of Group F in this tournament. I'm actually not even sure if they win a game. It was all Zlatan last year, and they looked horribly out of sorts to start 2020. During the lockdown, Alexander Katai has been released for his wife's racist comments, and midfield linchpin Jonathan Dos Santos has pulled out of the tournament to undergo hernia surgery. I like LAFC and Portland to finish as the top two teams in this group, and there's no reason to count the Dynamo as an easy win for the Galaxy either. When it comes to players to look out for for the Galaxy in this tournament, things have to start with Chicharito. He left much to be desired in his first two MLS games, but perhaps the time off and extra training will bring out a better performance in this tournament. He has plenty of World Cup experience, so the format is familiar to him, and he'll need to start scoring if LA has any chance. After that, I'm looking at some position battles where the Galaxy have question marks, other than just looking at individual players. There's the question of who replaces Katai, who was a replacement for the departed Alessandrini last year. Katai started both games for LA this year, but he roughly played about an hour, being subbed off for both Sebastian Legette and Joe Corona. Who takes his right-wing spot, and will they do a better job than last year? Also... Who steps up in place of Jonathan Dos Santos? Will it be veteran Perry Kitchen, who started in place of Dos Santos in the first game and subbed him off in the second game? Or possibly new signing Carlos Harvey, brought up from the USL? If the Galaxy defy my prediction, that means Chicharito has had a breakout group stage, and or Christian Pavone has stepped up and carried the load. League-wide, I already mentioned earlier about Minnesota's Luis Amarilla in an earlier preview as someone to look out for, but let's give a shout-out to another MLS newcomer in Alan Polito. Polito joined SKC this year, and they were one of the most impressive teams to start the season, and Polito scored in each game while adding an assist. My prediction for the MLS's back tournament final, though, is Toronto, losers of just one of 16 games over Portland. Thanks a lot, Ryan. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you did a ton for us and taking three teams, and you along with Ivan have really helped us out, so we really appreciate it. Um, and saying Ivan... He's got our final two teams. He did previews four in the Houston Dynamo and the Portland Timbers. We're going to start off with the Houston Dynamo, who Josh has taken kindly to discuss um, just how Ivan thinks they could do in this tournament. Josh, what did Ivan tell us? Ivan doesn't think Houston Dynamo are going to get a win in their group. I have to agree with him there. This is a really, really tough group for a Dynamo team currently in flux. Ivan points out that they would probably get out of some other groups, but this one is really tough even without Carlos Vela playing for LAFC. As for three players that Ivan's excited to see, those are the attacking trio of Mara Manotas, Tomas Martinez, and Albert Elise. This is a strong attacking team, and those three need to be on top of their game and not let some of their teammates show them up, help lead them through the group if possible. And then a breakout player that Ivan's got selected is a young goalkeeper, goalkeeper Marco Merch, who was loaned out by parent club Hoffenheim until he signed with Houston this season. So he did allow four goals against Sporting Kansas City prior to the pandemic hitting the U.S. However... Ivan's thinks he's got a chance to redeem himself against some other really strong Western Conference teams. All right. It's going to be really interesting to see how Houston does in this insane group. Um, one of which, one of those teams being 
the Portland Timbers, who Ivan kindly again has done our final prediction on. And Drew, you'll be closing us out. What did Ivan have to say about the Portland Timbers? Yeah, Ivan was much higher on the Timbers than he was the Houston Dynamo. Um, he sees the Portland Timbers getting two wins, I may say, likely over one of the Los Angeles clubs, whether it be LAFC or the Galaxy. Um, but then he says that they will lose to Dallas in the round of 16, which he does nicely include the fact that maybe Dallas doesn't participate, which obviously we now know that they will not. Um, but given Dallas's absence of the tournament, he thinks that the Portland Timbers are going to go to the quarterfinals, but then they will lose to NYCFC. So he's picking three wins in total between the group stage and the knockout round for the Timbers. Um, but as far as players, to it, he's excited to see play. He's excited to see Diego Valeri, as usual, um, the heartbeat of the Portland Timbers and the Chara brothers. Um, I think when you think of the Portland Timbers, you think of those, those three players. So he's excited to see them and see how they keep carrying this team. Um, as for a breakout player, uh, he mentions that the Timbers are a very veteran squad, so it's kind of hard to find one player that hasn't already broken out for the team. Um, but he's picking uh, Marvin Loria. Uh, he's played 19 games for the Timbers. Um, he's a youngster, and it'd be interesting to see how much action he sees in this tournament, um, playing behind Jeremy Abobasi, who's already an established player at this level. So he's picking Marvin to be a breakout player for the Timbers and has him going pretty far in this tournament. Yeah, I think we're all pretty high on where we think Portland was going to go. Uh, you can see that in our prediction podcast, which we released uh, two episodes ago. So you can go and check that out. However, this has come to the end of our time together. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who is involved in this podcast. Uh, specifically, Josh and Drew, of course. You guys are amazing. Hilario, Adnan, Ryan, Ivan, Alex... Daniel, Matt, Sam, Cameron, Harvey, Nathan Reynolds, Nathan Dunn, Brady, and Gareth are all amazing for helping us out with this. We really, really, really appreciate it. We didn't actually know if this would really be possible, and we're happy that we could really put this together and get this site into something that our entire group of people can be happy with. And we just want to say thank you. Uh, If you've listened this long, thank you. We really, really, really appreciate it. If you want to check out any of our other podcasts, they're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, The only platform we aren't available on yet is YouTube. But thank you. We'll be out with another episode next week, hopefully. And with that, MLS kicks off tonight. Get excited. We're getting back into sports. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.